Hey, this is Daryl. Thank you for listening to MLS Assist, a Total Soccer Show podcast. On today's episode, Joe Lowry is interviewing FC Dallas head coach Luchi Gonzalez. Here's how I would pitch this episode. If you, like me, long for a future where the US national team plays attractive soccer that gets results, then what Luchi Gonzalez is doing at FC Dallas may be the beginnings of that. And the evidence is already there in players like Paxton Pomacal, Jesus Ferreira, Ricardo Pepe, and many, many more. So if you want to join me in feeling optimistic about the future of American soccer, then stick around and listen to Joe's interview with Luchi Gonzalez. But first, today's episode is brought to you by Remarkably Remote, a new daily microcast from GoToMeeting. It's all about making work from home work for you. With indispensable intel on how to stay sane, motivated and productive at home, Remarkably Remote is here to help you in this brave new remote working world. Add Remarkably Remote to your flash briefing on Alexa or subscribe on your favorite podcasting app. everyone and welcome to MLS Assist, a podcast created to give insight into the tactical side of Major League Soccer. I'm your host, Joe Lowry, and today I'm not joined by my co-host, Jordan Angeli. Instead, this week's show is a conversation between myself and current FC Dallas head coach and former substitute algebra teacher, Luigi Gonzalez. Luigi gives insight into his background, explains the why behind his possession-based soccer philosophy, informs me of his opinion on the creation of MLS's new youth development platform, and talks about a whole lot of other things, too. I am here with SC Dallas head coach Luchi Gonzalez. Luchi, thank you for joining me. First of all, how are you doing out there in Dallas? I'm doing well. I'm doing well. Um, we just finished uh, our last session for the week, working at the facility. It's a new protocol that MLS has, has allowed to go through a pretty lengthy process of getting all the approvals from the local city um, police department, fire department, our doctors, and then the MLS, of course. So it's been a positive week just being out there in the field, seeing the staff, seeing the players, working with and around them, obviously respecting the, the distancing. But um, it's a step. It's a step in the right direction, I believe, uh, to hopefully be able to work as a team all in the field together uh, eventually when it's safe. Absolutely. So throughout our conversation today, I want to sort of talk through and get a better understanding of how your past experiences have shaped how you see the game and how you view youth development. So to sort of start out at the beginning and work our way up to now, up to today, when did you realize that you wanted your life to be soccer? Uh, it's funny. I have a video of me when I'm uh, six years old, maybe seven. Um, it's an old VHS video and it's, you know, it's going, my cousins are, and my aunts and uncles are over in my house and it's a get family get together. And my, uh, my dad puts each one of us, his own kids, myself, my brother, and then all the cousins on his lap one at a time asking what they want to do when they grow up. It's a pretty funny video. And, and I'm all focused and, and, you know, serious and I'm, oh, I'm going to be a soccer player. I'm going to be a soccer player. So, you know, uh, from a young age, uh, my dad put me in the game since I was four. I grew up in Miami, Florida, playing, you know, recreationally, youth, and then I got into a serious travel club called Strike Force, and uh, I had a great, diverse group of teammates from <clears throat> Colombia, Argentina, Brazil, Hondurans, Peruvians, you know, uh, Americans, so Cuban, you know, a lot of Cubans down in Miami playing soccer. So it was a it was a special group that I got to play with 
I, I was privileged to have some very compassionate and committed youth coaches involved in my, in my upbringing. And, uh, and I love the game and I fell in love with it. My dad, you know, we only trained twice a week back then. My dad made sure I got that third session and sometimes even fourth with a personal coach with different technical, um, sessions. Um, my dad invested, you know, he, he sacrificed and he, he didn't make a lot of money at all, but he made sure that he, I had equipment and, and he provided for me, um, to be a, a soccer player. So, you know, he was passionate about it. That transferred to me. And, um, so I had my, my youth experiences, played a U 17 world cup was on a U 20 national team. Didn't make that roster to that world cup. So that was a disappointment, but also motivated me. Uh, I went to SMU, so that was my first connection with Dallas, moving from South Florida to then SMU, a school that I, I didn't know so well, but there was something about the program that attracted me. Coach Shella Simon was there, and you know I could have gone to like Chapel Hill. There was Creighton, Clemson. There was a few options there. Even Brown, I almost consider that in terms of Ivy League, but SMU seemed like the, the right college environment that would allow me to be a professional player. Uh, I, got, I got drafted to play San Jose Earthquakes. I bounced around the league, several teams. Uh, I played internationally in several leagues. I was a survivor as a pro. I, I, wasn't a, I, was a, I was a great youth player in this country. I was a pretty good soccer, uh, sorry, college player. But as a pro, I was very average, and, uh, and I survived. I had to survive. I, I served five, seven and a half, eight years trying to play in different teams and different clubs and I was doing youth coaching so I started youth coaching when I was with Colorado Rapids in 05 it was a U10 boys team I used to volunteer once and twice a week um, and actually it would help me with some supplemental income on the side so then I started to get uh, paid for it and um, I was playing and doing these informal side coaching uh, things and then eventually camps and then it got more serious and then I got offered to be a substitute teacher and a high school coach in in Miami, Florida. And uh, I gave up playing. I gave up playing, which hurt, which was not easy, but I knew I was ready. I knew I was ready for this next step and I needed to channel my passion of the game into my next career, which I knew was teaching and coaching. And that's kind of how I started um, in, in youth coaching. Um, so I, I moved to South Florida, Miami. I coached public high school um, I coached U10 girls at the same time. And, you know, I was a substitute teacher, which don't get me wrong. My pro salaries were not great, but <laughs> they were better than they were better than a substitute teacher salary. And and um, but you know what? It, it was OK. It was fine. I remember those were we were fine. We were fine. We, we could put food on the table. So from there, I became a full time teacher, algebra teacher. I got hired in my alma mater at, at, at a private school became the, the head coach of that program. I then became the head coach of Kendall soccer. Income was better than I ever had before because I was doing multiple jobs. But man, the time commitment was crazy. You know, I was getting up 6.30 in the morning and I was busy till 10.30, 11 p.m. Monday through Friday. And my weekends were busy coaching games. So it was tough. But at some point in, in mid-2012, FC Dallas called me, uh, Fernando Clavijo and Shella Simon who was the head coach at that time and, and uh, said, Hey, Luch, we have an opening in the Academy and we're interested in you to come and, and interview. I came in, I, I, I interviewed and I had a good connection with Dallas and they offered me the position and the salary of the position was quite a bit less than what I was making with all of my income from the multiple jobs in South Florida and Miami. So it was not an easy decision to make. We had just bought a home. Um, but there was, 
it was nothing like the opportunity of coaching one team full time and being involved in pro in a pro club and development. So it was an honor to, to be offered that. And I absolutely wanted the position. My wife could tell um, easily that this is the direction I wanted to go in. I wanted us to go in and she supported me. So, so we went that way. We went that way. So I came into the club and I learned, I learned, I thought I knew a bit, but I, I was clueless. I had to learn so much at FC Dallas. I owe so much to everyone that I've worked with in the club, all the academy coaches, all the players, Chris Hayden, who's the current academy coach. I learned so much from him, um, from Shellis at his time there, from Fernando Clavijo, getting my licensing, going through different courses. I I went to the ESCL, the French Federation license that MLS partnered with. That was two years. It was a two-year course. Now the course is down to like less than a year and a half, almost, almost a year now, just a year, I think. And I did it when it was two years. It was it was crazy. It was long, but ama- it was amazing the detail and just the learning about the game over overseas, and and about methodology and about curriculum and about just you know the game, the game, and 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 that that helped me understand the game so much better, so that I could teach it and coach it. And then I, I had my progression in the, in the academy. The club made me the academy director of, uh, by, around 2015. Um, I'm just very grateful. I'm very grateful. I'm over, you know, about eight years now in the club and in different roles. And I was about to be the head coach of the second team. And then all of a sudden, uh, Dan Hunt calls me in and asks if I could interview for the, for the first team job. And, and here I am. From what you learned coaching in Florida at the high school level and, and with the club down there, and then coaching youth players with FC Dallas as well. How do you, Luchi Gonzalez, spot a promising young player? You know, that, that's a hard question to ask. There's so many things in a, in a, in a pathway for a, a person to experience, to reach their potential. And I, I'd say the, ones, the areas that we can control that help produce professional people are, are the following. Number one, it's the vision of, of the leaders. So our owners are, have a clear vision with conviction that they want to find, bring in, and develop local talent local talent, players, staff, et cetera, people. It's in our, it's in our mission statement. They're not to be the best develop, have the best development pathway and model in, in the Americas. Right. And so that's number one. Number two, I would say the game, I believe you just have to believe in a way of playing and have a model of the way of playing and train it and teach it and have players and select players that can play in this model. And this model is to compete, to win games, and for us to, to try to dominate, to have the ball, to get pressure on the opponent, to transition quickly, get pressure on the opponent, to get numbers involved with or without the ball, and to score as many goals as possible and to not concede it, to concede as little as possible. So I know it sounds all kind of like this total football general, but, you know, there's a way that we want to do it. The formations can vary in our different age groups and, 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 and for all of our teams, but, but there's a style of the football. And there's characteristics of the individual in the team in each position, positional profiles and traits that are that are particular to what we feel is important in, in our philosophy of the game. So we need to have a game model and then we need to have player profiles that fit that. And we need to act on that and make sure we have a scouting network and a recruitment network and identification and recruitment network that allows for that talent to come into to our program and, and continue their development and reach their potential and impact our first team. So that's that's the second. So you're talking about football philosophy and and specific player profiles that know what you're looking for. And I would say lastly, I think competition. 
it's so important that your pathway has competition. Players need to be out of their comfort zone, whether that is the coach deciding to play a player up in age group or challenging him with something in training to limit their touch or, or just a challenge so the player can be out of their comfort zone and, and adapt. And in that process of, of adapting, get better. Are players playing in the second team, playing professional games when they're not maybe not professional yet? So being out of their comfort zone, that's that's been a great addition to the pathway. Um, training with the first team. Talk about being out of your comfort zone. Young academy, non-professionals training with the first team, getting sparring with the first team, understanding and modeling what it takes to play at the next level. The training exercises need to be competitive. They need to be taught set up in a way that there's stress on the player, but a, a good stress, a stress, a healthy stress that they, they might celebrate, they might cry, it might be positive, it might be negative, but there's a good balance to it and it creates an environment where that player is getting better so that in the game, there's no surprise and they can, they can handle that test. Um, and then outside of training, games, the game has to be competitive. When a team is winning 6-0 consecutively, weekend after weekend, that scoreline does not make anybody get better. In fact, it can make you worse because you might get complacent. So it's hard to improve when, when you're not maybe losing more games or you're not out of your comfort zone and teams are playing in a way that make, make it very difficult. So you have to have that consideration in terms of games that players are out of their comfort zones. And I think international games are super important. I, I'm a huge believer. I never... I never had this conviction until I came to FC Dallas where we, we were involved in international tournaments. And I've got a U19 academy player who's played over 50 international club games. And that player is ready for their next step. That's helping that player optimize. They're playing since they were U10 playing tournaments in Brazil, Argentina, Spain, Mexico, or, they're, or playing in the Dallas Cup with international teams coming here. International competition is huge for development. It's not a mistake why Real Madrid's U12s, they travel around to play different international events, not just their local regional league. And Luchi, so talking about the importance of those international games from your perspective, with the announcement of the MLS Elite Youth Development Platform, which one of the focus points of that has been increasing the number of opportunities for international academy competitions. Do you view then as a result of that belief of yours, do you view the disbanding of the DA and the creation of that, of this MLS platform as a positive? I do. I do because it's been natural. It's been natural. And, and look, the USSDA did an amazing job, an amazing job of setting the tone of steering youth, youth, the youth leagues and development and style of play and, coaching, education, they they steered the country in a direction and it wasn't perfect and there was a lot of micromanaging in it, especially when it comes to like style of play and 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 I think the intentions were all very good intentions. Did they work perfectly? No. Were there objections and, and disagreements? Of course. Of course. So but I think the intentions and I think what US soccer did with the USDA was phenomenal, was fantastic. It, it made us all better. U.S. soccer and MLS partnered to, to get double pass, double pass to, to, to analyze every club. And that kicked our butt. That got us, that took us to the next level because we all had to get better. All of us needed to get better with our, with our staffing, our organization, things that maybe need investment, things that didn't need investment, just, just a structure. 
and ideas and habits and routine and commitment and commitment and time. So for me, I'm so, I'm so, I think we, we should all be grateful what U.S. soccer did in steering us in this direction. And you know what? There's some challenges that they can't sustain it. And it's a perfect moment for clubs to step it up and for here MLS in this case to step it up. But that there's collaboration, there's communication, whether it's ECNL or it's MLS League or a mix of the two. I think, I think this is going to be an interesting one or two years that maybe are not clear and maybe it's not, it's not clear for one or two years, but it, believe me, it's gonna, it's gonna, we're going to be very clear and we're going to go in the right direction. So I think this is positive and this is an opportunity for us to take it to the next level. And yes, that involves international competition. Hey, this is Daryl jumping in to let you know that today's episode is sponsored by Hydrant. Hydrant creates flavoured electrolyte packets you mix directly into your water to make hydrating your body easy and delicious. Each rapid hydration mix has the four essential electrolytes your body needs, sodium, potassium, magnesium and zinc, all to help you hydrate quickly and stay hydrated all day. I've been drinking hydrants. My favorite flavor is lime, and I'm very happy to just rip open the packet, drop it in with the water, give it a little mix up and a stir, and drink it down. And I will say the major difference I've noticed between hydrant and other packets you can mix with water is that the flavor is very natural. There are no synthetic colors, no artificial sweeteners. They use straight up cane sugar, but not too much. The formula is also vegan and you can choose between three different flavors or a variety pack. Again, my favorite was lime, but honestly, my favorite flavor is always lime. Hydrant starts at just a buck a packet for a 30-day supply. You can save even more with a monthly subscription. And for 25% off your first order, go to drinkhydrant.com slash soccer. That's drinkhydrant.com slash soccer for 25% off your first order. Once again, that's drinkhydrant.com slash soccer. Thank you to Hydrant for sponsoring today's show. Now, back to Joe talking to FC Dallas head coach Luchi Gonzalez. Getting back to your game model that you mentioned earlier with wanting to dominate and wanting to control the ball and move with numbers with and without the ball, after a conversation you had with Charlie Bohm of MLSsoccer.com, when you first got the job for FC Dallas as the head coach, Charlie wrote that you showed FC Dallas an in-depth multimedia presentation that sort of helped put yourself towards the front of the line to actually get the job that you ended up with. Can you walk me through that presentation? What aspects of that model were you communicating to FC Dallas that made them so receptive to you? I think, you know, I just needed to be honest and share my, my experience that I had in the club with the academy and, and how the, the, the club is not just investing in players developing. I mean, shoot, Oscar Pereira was the first MLS head coach that was the prior academy director of a club, right? And and my two current assistant coaches, actually three, are, are all players products of the academy. I became the head coach bringing the U13 head coach to the academy and the U17 head coach to the academy. And I felt guilty because I was stripping the academy of the coaches <laughs> and, the, and the director. But we all, I wouldn't say we were ready. I wouldn't say we were ready. I don't think anybody's ready, a player or staff, to, to take that next step. And I don't like that word ready because, I don't know, you can't, I don't think you control that. But what you can't control is be prepared. And I felt prepared and we felt prepared. And maybe we were not ready, but I felt prepared to do the best we could and continue the philosophy of the club. And, and so in that presentation, you know, it probably went way longer than it needed to be, but it didn't, I was 
I was checking the cues of Clark and Dan and they wanted me to continue. So, so that's, that's how it is. But it was, it was pretty much just showing that we have the opportunity to just keep evolving, take the next step and let's just keep evolving. And the next step to that had some tactical, technical things that I think were, are important for us to, to keep growing. If we want to compete and, and change the history of the club and, and win an MLS cup, which is what we want so badly for our fans and for our club and for our family at the club. So, um, you know, in that, in that game model, I think the one of some of the things that's that are important is that it doesn't depend on one single player. Like the game model is not to play for one player but that, because that, that's not a foundation because what happens if that player is injured? What happens if that player is uh, not available? If we can't afford that player or that, 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 that player is a player and we play 11 versus 11 in it. And I think it's important that our philosophy has a very collective strength and the, that the, that the collective is the star, the team is the star and the team is going to share the ball and the team is going to share duties without the ball. And we're going to move together and we're going to do things together, synchronize, push up together, drop together, synchronize together, play together, press together, have courage to play together and get each other's back. Because if I lose the ball, my teammate's going to be, right there with me to transition and help get it back and and just a very collective idea so there's clubs that that we had as models you know i'd say a year and a half ago the model um a coach that that myself and the staff really um followed and we have so much uh, respect for is kike setien head coach of barcelona right now so kike setien before was at las palmas before he was in a lower division club he was in real betis the last few years but it always seemed like he could be fitting that he would coach barcelona because of his football philosophy and, and the desire to get to have the ball, to get on the ball and to try to control games and, and not just have the ball, but create with it, could generate, generate uh, passes into the box, generate crosses, generate shots on frame. So there, there's needs to be a production with it, a purpose with it. Right. So, um, and, and that play, it takes courage to play between lines, to play not just around and over, but between and through and with combos with, with third man, fourth man type, movements and combos and perspective positional play and positioning. So um, there's, there's a lot of little things there that I'm still, you know, growing, learning so much about that, but I, I, I'm proud to be a part of the staff also and players that are open and also want to learn. So what is something we probably, I think developed a lot in this moment of the quarantine that maybe we would not have developed as much from, from a video analysis perspective, but We've done a lot of video analysis. We've done, we've broken down the game with all the players in different ways, different positions. Really interesting meetings. Really interesting meetings, showing ourselves, showing uh, the model, maybe teams or players we want to we want to to be similar in, in how they execute overseas, even South America. So um, that, that I hope that gives a little bit of a of an insight of kind of the the content. You know that that. That, that was important. And th- there's things in there that are private, you know, I'm not going to share everything, but that gives you a little general idea that, you know, we are a club that it, it, we're not going to spend the whole team's cap on one player. It's not our model. And we don't believe in that philosophy. We're going to spread it out. We're going to share, we're going to share. And we want a team to be the ego is the team's ego. Right. And, and it's, and it's, the stars is the team. So that, that whole philosophy, I think, is not just something we want to implement in our culture off the field, but it's the way we want to play our football, too. 
And having detailed some of the elements of your philosophy, Lucci, why do you want to play that way? What to you is attractive or important about playing in a way that you keep the ball instead of maybe playing more against the ball? You know, I've never been asked that. It's interesting. I've done I've done 100 interviews, and I hope to do thousands more. <laughs> but um, it's funny. I've never been asked that, and, and, I, and I can be really honest about it. I grew up playing a very possession-style football. I, I described my upbringing in South Florida. All my teammates were very creative players. Um, and, and, you know, it was this melting pot of Latin American American players moving the ball and dominating the ball, dominating the ball. And maybe we didn't have as much vertic- verticality, you know, as, as some of our counterparts back then. We, we literally built from the back. We would connect a lot of passes. Our coach was an Argentine coach, Danny Vasquez, who really encouraged just having the ball, and not even in a detailed way. He didn't, it's not like he set up training so that we had this perfect pattern play or positioning. All he did is just create a lot of possession games where, you know, we needed to take care of the ball, and if we didn't have it, let's get it back. So I grew up in, in, in that kind of uh, philosophy from my youth coach, and I felt in my youth days we were pretty dominant. You know, we won a lot of things. We got to the national championship twice. We didn't win, but we got there. We won multiple state championships. So I remember having a pretty successful youth club experience. And then, and then at SMU with, with Shellis, Shellis, for me, I think um, Shellis helped me become a structured human being, be disciplined in my life. So I don't remember ever working as hard as I as I did up to that point, and Shellis helped me do that. So that kind of helped me form as my next step as a man, as a young man. And so I had this creativity in me that, that the ball, the combos, a lot of combos, rondos, structure in, in it with balance and sacrifice and hard work. And then my personal, you know, I had personal experiences as a player with some teams and club that we chased a lot. We chased the ball a lot, and those weren't fun moments you know, to not dominate, to, to not control. And I'm a player that wants to combine and have the ball. And if I'm not, and I'm chasing and I'm tracking and I'm chasing, and I'm tracking, and I'm not keeping it or having, and we're not having, you know, I remember those emotions and those feelings. And, and so I had varied ones in my professional career. And then as I started to coach, I thought I kind of had a clear philosophy when I started, but I was still in a player mindset and it was still efficiency to, to the thought of it. You know, when I first started coaching in Miami, it was, it was efficient, you know, it was read the players I have and then play to their strengths. So I, sometimes I could be aggressive and press and play high. Sometimes I needed to sit low and counter. I played much, very different styles in Miami, different styles, different clubs and different teams, different high schools. And I, that taught me, that taught me several things. And I don't feel I, w- I was complete in my idea or I was mature, mature. I'm still, de- I'm still going to develop and learn. I, I don't want to be a coach when I'm 60 and, and feel like I'm, I'm, I'm rigid and, and stuck in my ways. I want to be a 60 year old coach one day that's still evolving. That's still reading about new ways of seeing things, you know, but the game is, has a long history. The game, you know, the, the Barca way was first the, the Dutch way, right? And now it's the Man City way. And, uh, or, you know, you have clubs for us that are trying to have our way with and without the ball. So it's all kind of glorified plagiarism, if, if you want to call it that. <laughs> and, 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 and that's where we have to be honest about it. But, but yeah, we want to evolve with the video technology, stats, you know, the science of it has been very interesting to see. How, how that's been useful to analyze and to dictate how you want to game plan and, 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 and analyze your own team, the opponent. So that that's in my 
that's in my core. I grew up with Latin American tiki taka combination football. The players that I that I envied the most when I grew up were the the Zidans, the the Figos, the the Ronaldo, the original R9, the Phenomeno, the Burrito Ortegas. Those are the the players that that uh, I remember wanting to model the most. So, uh, and then now as a coach, FC Dallas has taught me so much about the game. It's taught me about competitiveness. So I'm a, I don't believe that development should sacrifice competitiveness and I don't think competitiveness should sacrifice development I, I believe they go hand in hand I, I've, I've said this before my, my kind of metaphor to it is I think it's like breathing like development and competition should go hand in hand like to breathe you need to inhale and exhale you need to inhale and you need to exhale you need to inhale you need to exhale and we're doing it naturally subconsciously same for me is our development model so development compete develop compete develop compete and they go hand in hand if you if you go all development without competitive spirit, then those aren't going to be players that can play at the highest level under stress with pressure. And if you just compete, compete, compete without development, clear development objectives and growth, then then that's using. And I think that gets old. That's those are short term. Those are short term ways for me. And I think to have foundation, to have a long term success, it's that process of development and competition hand in hand. In their introductory press conferences, I'm, I'm pretty sure that every coach says that they want to play with the ball and play pretty possession soccer. But Lucci, you actually went and did that in your first year with FC Dallas last season. Understanding that this is a complicated process, what are a few or a couple of the ways that you actually turned your desire to have the ball into an on-field reality? Kind of going back to your one of your original questions of player development and um, the vision of leadership, right? And, and I've been influenced from the leaders that I've had the pleasure to work with and so, you know, I have to first have a vision for the team and, and I need to lead it and model the support I have for the players so that I don't want them to be comfortable, but I want them to have courage and I want them to know that we've got their back trying to do certain things in training. And I don't care how many times we make the mistake, but we're going to have energy to transition and we're going to have courage to try again and try again. So because so we're not afraid in the real game. So we're not afraid in the real game when there's pressure. Because we did it in the training and we've made mistakes in the training and we also found success in the training. And I think that's a process. That's a methodology of training. And there's, there's I don't want to say some black and white dogma way, but it's, it's a feeling. It's the way myself and the staff, we try to work with the players and put them in situations where they're going to play out of the back with these types of pressures, play through the mid block with these types of oppositions and formations, our own, theirs, with these ideas and these positioning uh, requirements. We need to occupy certain spaces to be successful with this idea. We need to have a transition to be successful with this idea. And then, uh, and then in the attacking third, we, we're looking for, you know, we, we, you give a lot more freedom and flexibility in that third, but you still want to create boundaries and, and intentions and ideas and synchronization. So, you know, it's, it's in the training. It's Monday through Friday. This is all about Monday through Friday. I try to enjoy the games. I know I'm there, I'm animated, and I'm, adrenaline's going, and there's going to be a result. But that result is a product of how we work during the week. You know, I really love the process of the week and the Monday through the Friday. Yes, I love the game. I, I, I want to enjoy the game, but the Monday through the Friday is where, where the work has to be put in mentally, physically. And the demand, the competitiveness is not because they're saving it for the weekend. Because they have to, we, we play for a trophy on, on the Wednesday, sometimes Tuesday. Sometimes we play for a little mini tournament, different numbers, different teams. Different, there is going to be a group of players that lift a little trophy, a little trophy in, during the week to, sh to simulate competition and care and joy or being miserable because you lost in the last play and you got to suffer. And, and that suffering 
is a great development tool as well. One of the presentations I have, one of the pictures I have is after we lost to Seattle. It's our players laying down, and, and you have Edwin Surreal with his shirt pulled over his head. I love that picture. I love that picture because it's it's our it's a showing already an opportunity because there's a trauma, there's there's a hurt, but there's an opportunity now with it for a motivation for the next. What are we gonna do now? What's the next thing we're gonna do? What's the next step? What's the next decision? What's the next solution? So that that's something that that is important in our culture, on and off the field, and then in our football and in our football and and you know in terms of playing, I mean we do a lot of rondo games. We do a lot of different rondo possession games, big rondo, medium rondo, small rondos, but with transitions and you know rondo with direction, attacking, defending, so directional as well. Situations that involve our, our style and and it's not easy. I, I we're not where I I want us to be. We're getting. I feel like. We're inching closer and closer. I really this preseason was really positive, and and now taking the foundation we worked on last year and taking that next step, we were we were kind of getting into the season. All of us. This has been a tough challenge, but I I'm still very confident that the second we can have all 11 players in an official game or all 30 28 players training, we're gonna we're gonna want to take care of that ball. And if we don't have it, we're gonna compete to get it back and and go through that process. You know. Um, but but with purpose, because we want to. We also want to generate more. You know, I thought we had some good possession numbers last year, but we were too inconsistent in generating in the last third crosses and attacks. Quality crosses, quality shots on frame that can lead to quality goals. So we want to do that more often and keep the opposition also away from us. So improve our presses, improve our our defensive shapes and our reorganizations. So we got a lot of work to do. We got a lot of work to do. But I'm really excited to 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 do it. And whether it's on a zoom call or on the field altogether or individually, we're going to get creative to, to work, to work towards, towards uh, improving our game. Hey, this is Daryl cutting in one final time to let you know that today's show is sponsored by the black Tux. The Black Tux believes everyone deserves a better experience when it comes to finding formal wear, a suit or a tuxedo for your big day. Maybe your big day is your wedding. Maybe your big day is graduating from the academy to the USL team. Maybe from the USL team to the MLS team. From the MLS team to the national team. If you want to rent or buy a suit or a tuxedo, the Black Tux has you covered. Just go to theblacktux.com. Pick a style that you like. Give them some measurements and request a free home try-on. They will send it to you two weeks before your event and you can feel the fit and the quality before you commit and you have enough time for alterations. So whether you're looking to buy an outfit or rent an outfit, you won't find a formal wear experience or designs like the ones you'll find at the Black Tux. And if you want to get 10% off, then go to theblacktux.com and enjoy 10% off with code SOCCER. That's theblacktux.com, code SOCCER for 10% off your purchase. The Black Tux, formal wear for the moment. All right, let's get back to Joe Lowry and Luchi Gonzalez. It's funny, Lucci, that you mentioned work in the final third. I pulled some numbers from you guys last season. According to American Soccer Analysis, you had the third most passes per game in the Western Conference, but the third fewest expected goals per game in the Western Conference. So you talked about that preseason. What did you work on specifically, and how did you work on in preseason to develop work in attacking creativity and patterns of play in the final third to hopefully allow for more chances and more chances created from possession in the future? 
Absolutely. So we did an analysis after the season and a reflection. Um, I, I'm blessed to work with a, our video analysis. He did a great report on our concepts and what was effective and what needs to improve. So we were all unanimous about being more effective and getting creating more volume in the last third and, and volume that's going to reward us with goals. So and, and doing the opposite, also do the counter principle of that, right? Protecting our own third and keeping opponents away from our third. So um, because I believe the game is so com- it's dynamic that, that I don't believe in the just because you're working on attacking doesn't mean you you forget about the transition and get the ball back if you lose it because that's helping you defend and keep the opposition away from your goal. Does that make sense? So um, wh- one of the some of the things that I think were important for us is just having purpose with the ball. So it's not just back line type of uh, circulation of the ball. We need to make sure we're beating lines. We're beating the opposition's front line. We're beating the opposition's midfield line. We're confronting the last line with the possession. And then when we're getting near the last line, as we're destabilizing the opponent, we're creating efficient plays to finish the ball on goal and be effective. And maybe we need extra possession and extra sequences to create a better chance, or we need to attack quickly the space and attack, you know, gain time and, and, and so I think our, our natural progression in the preseason is let's be more efficient and let's understand when we need to be more vertical, when we need to penetrate more. And I, I saw improvement in that. I for sure saw improvement in that. And uh, I, I saw the group take, take a good step in the right direction and to, to generate more, to generate more. So we, we got to keep working in that way and, and thinking how we can improve that. So to sort of close this out here, I want to quickly look at three players who you've worked with for years and had experiences with in the FC Dallas system. First is Jesus Ferreira. Where do you see Jesus's long-term primary position? And I know positions are sort of a flexible concept now, but is he sort of a Firmino-type hybrid between a center forward, a number nine, and a number 10? And, and realistically, does his versatility help him or hurt him? Yeah, it's funny you said Firmino. That's kind of the nickname we have for him in terms of uh, his position. And his profile, we, we do see him as a Firmino. We see him as a false nine or as a 10 that, that can, that can get in the box and score. So I think they're similar. I think in modern football, you can play multiple positions or you can play hybrids of positions and the true classic nines are still out there. That's not Jesus. The classic tens are out there. That's not Jesus. Jesus is a hybrid. And Firmino is having a career in Liverpool with an important role with certain wingers around him, with certain support in the midfield around him. And he's, uh, he's showing his ability to do it. Now people forget that Firmino played 10 for most of his career. And then he became nine later on with Liverpool. And he sometimes still plays 10 uh, with, with Klopp. So, you know, Jesus is a player that can play nine or 10 for us, nine or 10. And he's been playing 10 recently, but that doesn't mean that that's going to be a sixth position. I know the national team, he played nine in his, in his first game. So, um, we're going to keep developing him in both those directions of, as a false nine or, a, or an aggressive 10 and uh, making sure the pieces around him also help complement his, his tools. And, and his, in terms of his projection, I, I don't know. I, I don't, I'm not a big fan of the macro goals. I, I, I don't look at it myself. I never said five years ago, I'm going to, I want to be the coach of the FC Dallas. I never said six years ago, I want to be the FC Dallas Academy director. I never said 10 years ago I wanted to be the director of Kendall Soccer. You know, all I want to do is be the best today that I can for the club and the family that I'm a part of and make sure that we are the best. We are sacrificing more. We are putting effort to dominate and to control situations 
and and whatever I'm involved in. And so uh, I think if you ask me that question, I, I, I don't know. I don't know what Zeus's projection can be because I just want him to have a good week. I want him to have a good solid week and, and improve day to day and game to game and week to week. So um, I know he's on the national, you know, he's on that national team pool. He's also on that the Olympic pool. I don't know if he's focused on that and not on FC Dallas today. That's not a, that's not his focus. He's focused. He, he's focused on his family and an FC Dallas today. And when he needs to be focused for us soccer, I want him to be focused on us soccer and not on FC Dallas. So he's not distracted when he's with us soccer. He's, he's growing in that way because that's going to be good for FC Dallas when he's back with us. So it's important that the, that they're focused on the, on the micro goals and the day to day. That's the way I live my life. And that's, that's, how I like to talk with my players or the players that I get to work with. And, uh, but yes, he's, he's a young player that's already scored some important goals in the league and he's going to score more. I know he's going to score more. He's going to continue to, to learn and grow and, and challenge. It's not going to be perfect. He'll have some peaks and valleys, but he's an important family member of this club. And we're really proud to see his progress. Moving back into midfield, the next guy I want to get your perspective on is Tanner Tessman. I, I recently had someone tell me that Tessman is the answer to the classic, what of our best athletes played soccer question. Um, but a lot of us still outside of Dallas and outside of the organization don't have a great read on him or on his game because we don't have a big sample size. Can you give me sort of a brief scouting report on Tanner Tessman? So Tanner, it's funny. I mean, I know that was that quote um, about him being such a great athlete. And I would like to clarify, like, what is athleticism, right? Hmm. Especially what is a soccer athlete? I think there's different athletes. There's fast athletes. There's strong athletes. There's explosive athletes. And I think there's coordinated athletes. I think there's a gift in footwork. So when I look at Tanner, yes, he's six foot two, has physical stature and size and strength. Um, but, but he's not a, an important prof- young professional for Dallas because He's got this super explosive speed that to get from point A to point B. No, he can get to point A, point B with a good engine. But where I think Tanner is, uh, is, is special is his coordination, his footwork. He's very 360. He has great balance. And he can turn different directions and open his body shape and always know where the ball is and where his teammates are. Where often, he's always checking his shoulders. He has a very talented profile physically in terms of just coordination and balance and elegance and 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 with that technique comfort with the ball and execution of gestures with the ball and so I think that's where Tanner uh, has you know and he's still young and he's still going to keep improving it so you know it's a high it's a high ceiling he's got a lot of uh, growing to do still maybe physically I don't know if he's going to grow more physically but he's got a lot of mental growing and technical tactical growing so it's a great project for the for now and for the future. Moving back up with our last player, back up to the front line. This guy is a real number nine, Ricardo Pepe. We've seen him do damage in USL League One, and we've seen him feature with the Dallas senior team and with the U17s. What makes Pepe such an effective number nine? Oh, man, Pepe's... Uh, I love the, the story of Pepe because he's a great example of coming through the different pathways. You know, he, he was identified by, by um, us, I went down with Francisco Molina and, and we saw him with El Paso, our El Paso affiliate when he was 11, 11 years old. And then he turned 12. He was too young. He didn't come, but we, we, we knew he was doing well. He was scoring gold. He was taller than everybody, but, but he was smart. His movement was good. He combined and he knew, he knew where to be. He had a good instinct in the box. 
And then, uh, and then we saw him at 12, and then we said, you know what? Okay, when he turns 13, we're bringing him into the residency. So he ended up living with a family. He was too young to be in our Casa Club. He, he was, that was not going to happen. He was too young. So we put him with a family that was very supportive, and he, that family was great to bring him in and, and support him, treat him like their own. And he started playing in our academy system, U13, then U14, then U15. And eventually he played up. He was just he started he was dominating he was scoring like five goals a game in his own age group it was ridiculous so talk about like getting out of your comfort zone he was not out of his comfort zone we so we needed to start playing him up and then it started to become more of a challenge for him but then he adapted and he got and he got better and and so um i'm so proud of his story again because he comes from our affiliate comes from our youth club he comes from our academy and he was the first player to sign with our second team to then sign with our first team so he's 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 a great product of our pathway, and uh, and and in terms of his ability, yeah, he's he's elusive. He's like a wiry, you know. He's he 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 can lose his mark. He's he knows when the defender takes his eye off of him as a mark, maybe ball watches, and then he moves in a, in a timing in a way to get unmarked. And he has a good or he has a good positioning in the box to get on the end of service. He knows how to end up in a space where he can redirect the ball on on frame. And he has good gestures and good technique to put the ball on frame. And uh, but you know he's still young. He's still improving a lot. He scored his first first team goal. You know two months ago, which which was an important one for us, uh, a valuable point for us. So you know he's he's hungry and he's a he's a great young addition to the group. And I think he has a really bright bright future. Lucci, between tactics and game models and, and youth development and individual scouting reports, I think we've covered a lot today. I'm super thankful for your insight and for you taking the time to chat with me. Absolutely. Pleasure. And thanks for your interest in, in FC Dallas and all the best guys. And hopefully you can see some official games soon. Absolutely. Thanks again.